We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast. I am Frances Tomas. And I am joined by nobody. Uh, Dan got married over the weekend and uh, he's enjoying his well-deserved time off for a little while. So from here, we just want to say, Dan, I hope that the day went well. I know it did. And uh, I wish you all the best in the future. And I can't wait to have you back here with us soon. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the Espanol victory. Uh, I'm going to do an analysis on that not just on the tactics, but also the players' performance. Then we're going to move on and have a brief preview of the game against Juventus, which is going to be played on Tuesday. And surprise, surprise, this is going to be an extender listener question special. So everyone who sent a question to our different social media channels is going to be considered, and hopefully I can do my best and get through all the questions. The Barcelona podcast starts right here. Right, so let's get into it. So, as you probably know, Barca played Espanol over the weekend. Uh, there was a 5-0 victory for the Blaugranas. Messi, who else, scored a hat-trick. And then Piqué and Suárez also joined the party and gave Espanol a manita that they fully deserved. Um, Barca had 76% of possession, which uh, they actually made use of quite effectively this time round, which is good. And they had 20 shots altogether. Nine of those were on target. Barca players recovered the ball 51 times and there was 132 turnovers altogether. Now, personally, I think that the match against Espanol was probably the best Barca game of the season. They, it was thoroughly entertaining. The Camp Nou you know, was seen to really, really be enjoying the game, which is fantastic. Barca dominated from the beginning and their superiority was never really in question. Despite having just finished a FIFA break, uh, Valverde decided to not rotate his starting eleven too much. To be honest, that caught most of us by surprise because you know normally after a FIFA break and considering the Juve game was only sort of two or three games after what the coaches would have normally done is rest the best players and rotate the squad. So players such as Denis and uh, Arda Duran maybe and Gomez would have started the game, but Valverde had all the plans. He start he started a really really strong eleven. And uh, he basically didn't really care too much about the fact that last year, after the FIFA break at the beginning of the season, so the one in September, uh, Barca actually lost points against Alaves. And uh, his gamble, or decision, we must say, really, really paid off. The 
game was very controlled from beginning to end, as I said before. Tempo was hugely in Barca's favour. The team was very patient in possession. Um, I have to say the midfield for Barca this, this time looked really strong. They weren't just sort of controlling the game and passing the ball for no apparent reason. They actually were determined to push forward and, you know, the, the game had plenty of purpose and a lot of conviction in order to beat their rivals. Um, I thought that overall Barca deserved the win and there were plenty of standout performances. Now, I'm going to try and start something new that we haven't done in the podcast today, uh, which is rating players from basically the top five players. And uh, we're going to start sort of on a countdown level. So with one point, which is the fifth best player in the game, I'm going to highlight Dembélé. Now, Dembélé obviously came on in the second half, but it's not what he did on the pitch, which, to be honest, was also remarkable because he was running at defenders, he was playing, you know, one or two touches whenever needed. His assists for Suarez's goal was tremendous and I'm um, really delighted for him. So, although he didn't play the whole match, I decided to give him one point because he, you know, he, he, brought, he brings and he brought on Saturday um, a lot of sort of euphoria to the Camp Nou. You know, uh, people have sort of forgotten how expensive he was, which is the right thing to do. And his enthusiasm, the way he leaves the matches, the way that, you know, I don't know if you've seen it on, on social media, but the way he hacked um, Gerard Piquet after Piquet scored his goal was quite sort of lovely to see. The fact that, you know, he's living the dream. He finally joined Barca, which is what he wanted to do from the very beginning of the summer and obviously throughout his life. Um, let's not forget he's been tweeting positive things about Barca for a good four or five years. So this is a Barca fan who actually has joined the team and we could not be happier with his performances. Talking about Piquet, Piquet is the one that um, is going to get two points this week. He was imperative, you know, he contributed with a goal at the very end of the game, which is fantastic to see. He had a really strong performance and uh, I've highlighted Piquet, but, you know, Ter Stegen and Umtiti pretty much joined together in the same pack, but I had to pick one, so I picked Piquet because of the goal. Barca, very important point this, has not yet considered in La Liga, and that's a response of sort of the other level of awareness that the backline has had, the fact that the pressing doesn't just start from the back line. Pressing has been pretty much all across the pitch and uh, it has been sort of high tempo, high intensity, quite aggressive at times when it needed, needed to be um, throughout the whole pitch. So Piquet gets the point, but overall the, the, the sort of attitude that Valverde is trying to get into his players and is slowly but surely getting there um, is, is remarkable and that's one of the reasons why Barca have looked quite strong in the initial steps of this of this season. Moving forward, I'm going to give the three points. So basically the first step in our point podium to Semedo. Nelsinho has been fantastic from, from beginning to end of the season and he was great against Espanyol as well. I think that his physicality, his dynamism, the fact, the fact that you know he's slowly but surely getting adapted to his teammates in new environment, is, is fantastic. He is beginning to get in out of his shell. Um, you know, he does that, and he does that really quickly because you know he's incredibly speedy, and that is something that we've been lacking. He is sort of a classical fullback, so in this case, a right back, and um, in the sense that his priority, and he has been so far, is defending, so covering up any gaps that, in this case, uh, happen be behind Rakitic. And uh, whenever he pushes forward, which he does do, but not very often yet, 
Um, he always, because of his stamina, because of his being, because of his athleticism, he's able to track back and cover up the gaps. So um, fantastic performance from, from Nelsinho, from Nelson Semedo. Um, I really think he's been excellent so far and I cannot wait to see what he can bring in the future. Moving on to our second step, so four points for from the Barcelona podcast this week go to Ivan Rakitic. He was instrumental in midfield and he looked like a new player. He had pretty much nothing to do with a player that was quite, let's just say, self-conscious last year. He was not fully confident and he was always, he sort of felt like he was getting told off for doing things wrong last year and uh, he wasn't fully confident on his abilities as a result. He wasn't necessarily um, a terrible player last year, as we've said before, but he couldn't sort of express his creativity, definitely not in the way that he was allowed to do and he managed to do against Espanyol. Um, he is no longer focusing on defensive duties first, although obviously that is still an element of his game. I thought that Rakitic was far more involved this time round. He played as a fantastic partner to Busquets in the middle, but whenever needed, and that was pretty much the whole time, he was able to push forward. Obviously, having a defensive player of the caliber of um, Nelsinho behind him really does help him, and he was freer to get involved, to contribute sort of moving forward. You could see him pushing towards the centre-forward position at times, and um, he managed to provide a couple of passes that, you know, had a, had me at least with my mouth wide open in all um, looking at the TV screen. So Rakitic, I felt, was the second best Barca player of the game because I should really get a drum roll for this bit. The game man of the match, so five points go to, unsurprisingly, the one and only Lionel Andres Messi. He was once again Barca's saviour. Um, I saw several comments on our Facebook page saying that it's Messi FC. Um, I, well, I appreciate the comments. I don't think it's just Messi FC. I think there's more to it. But obviously, you can definitely see why, why our, our listeners and our followers are sort of thinking that. Um, Valverde used Messi as a false nine once again. And to be honest, that was surprising to see because Luis Suarez returned to action this time round as well. So the fact that Messi remained the centre-forward or the one that most of the time pushes towards the centre-forward position um, was a surprise, I've got to be honest. Um, but, you know, Messi has started the season on fire. He really loves his new position. And uh, he had eight shots on goal and ended up taking the match ball home after scoring three, three goals that were fantastic. Um, so that's another hat-trick for his collection. Um, he has five goals in three matches in La Liga and uh, it is great to have a player of his calibre, of his skill, of his leadership um, taking Barca forward, particularly during the beginning of the season because obviously all of the controversy that has surrounded Barca's summer and he still surrounds Barca's sort of day-to-day. Having Messi, a player of that, of that calibre, of that expertise that can take the team forward through difficult times and you know, always step up and always being there so that people can count him is totally invaluable. So a top score today of five points go to the one and only Lionel Andres Messi La Pulga. Before we move on to the Juve analysis, I just want to throw in a final thought. Obviously, you know, Barca is a team and a club that 
is polarized. That means that a lot of the time it's black, sometimes it's white. Sometimes it's, everything's fantastic. The very next day, everything is falling apart and we need to you know, dig a hole and hide for the rest of our lives. Um, I would just sort of throw in a little bit of a word of caution. Sure, the game against Espanol was a manita, was a, you know, that's, that, that's a big hand, so the five fingers, so five goals. And uh, people are really happy. Obviously, I think the expectations from the fan base was that because we didn't sign Coutinho or Sarri, the season was going to be disastrous. We never sort of thought that. Obviously, the squad would be even stronger had either, two, either one of those two players been signed. But I want to say that, sure, it was a great performance. Of course, Messi is on a great sort of moment in form and there's newcomers such as Semedo and obviously Dembele that you know, we can expect great things from. But let's just not forget it's against Espanyol who, with all due respect, they are not the best team in the universe. Um, they were, I'm not going to say they were an easy team to play against because there's no easy teams anywhere. Because it, always, it always depends on how great you are at your own game. But I think that the first major test is going to be coming up very soon on Tuesday against Juventus. And once that game has been played, then we can decide and we can see and we can analyse where we are in terms of um, greatness, you know, in terms of level against the European best. So, yes, a great game. Let's not get too euphoric just yet because hopefully the best is still yet to come and there's going to be tough tests ahead. Without further ado, we're going to move a little bit forward. Um, before we do that, I want to sort of read a couple of comments that were left on our Facebook page. The first one by Juanito Jones. He said, very happy with this match. Apart from the odd misplayed pass, everyone played well. Man of the match for me has to be Messi. Juanito says, apart from him, I thought Deulufeu really shown and seems to be getting better and better as Isemedo. A little bit of an aside, I agree with that, Juanito. Um, Deulufeu was working much harder than he had before. Obviously, he's a much mature player and um, it's great to see that he is getting playing time as well. Juanito continues to say, the most promising performance has to be Dembele. What a sweet assist from him. Things are really looking good for us and I couldn't be happier. Roll on Juventus. So thank you, Juanito, and everyone else that's left comments in our social channels. Um, Andel says, this evening the team was great. Even the coach knew timing to change the players. All went well collectively. Hats off to the newest kid on the block, Dembele. What a way to debut. So as you can see, our fans, our listeners, our followers are really, really excited about having Dembele. Uh, not necessarily thinking back about Neymar, but being able to add a great amount of quality and a great amount of youth and freshness and sort of ambition to our team. So it's great, 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 great to hear. Now, let's move on to the questions. Um, I haven't really put this in any particular order. We truly are humbled by the amount of questions that we get on social media, that whether it be Twitter, whether it be Facebook, whether it be our website. Sometimes we even get questions via email as well. So, you know, keep them coming. We are really, really pleased for them. Now, today, I was thinking, obviously, Dan's not here. We get a ton of questions and on a weekly basis, actually, on a bi-weekly basis, because we publish a second show around Thursday, Friday, at the end of the week, um, we have to leave some questions out. So today, because Dan's not here, I thought, right, let's just throw them all in. And uh, these are in no particular order as such, but uh, I'm going to try and do my best to get to as many of our listeners as possible. So without further ado, Drago on Facebook asks, 
It seems Barcelona may soon have another off-the-field problem. On October the 1st, there will be, or there may not, some sort of referendum for independence in Catalonia. There have been statements that if Catalonia secedes from Spain, Barcelona and the other Catalan-based teams, e.g. Girona and Espanyol, will not be allowed to continue in La Liga. They would be forced to play in their own Catalan league, which would be like the Dutch league, according to Tebas. What are your thoughts on the upcoming issue? So, um, Drago, thank you for being there throughout the years. Um, it is fantastic to have someone who you know, has been um, in contact with us, for, or with me in this case, for nearly a decade now. Um, always great to answer your question. So, obviously there is a referendum popping up soon. Uh, the Catalan authorities have decided to push that forward despite the fact that the Spanish central government um, don't want them to do that, basically. Uh, obviously, Catalonia and Barcelona are an incredibly rich and incredibly sort of profitable part of the Spanish country as it is today. And it is clear that that's the reason why they don't want Catalonia to have any referendum or any sort of ways to become independent because that will affect the, the economy of the whole of Spain. Um, having said that, uh, my personal opinion is that people should have the right to decide their vote. They should be, they should have a voice, you know, everyone in a democracy should be able to voice their opinions and uh, I know that that is sort of a personal view for me. I think people should be allowed to vote and then the majority's decisions should be respected. But, you know, that, that's just my personal opinion. Now, in terms of what Teva said about Barca having to leave La Liga, I really don't put that much weight on it. Um, I think Teva, obviously, is a Real Madrid fan himself. And that's not just me saying, that's been proven that, that there's plenty of evidence for that. So my understanding is that Tebas is just sort of trying to deter some potential voters as to where Barca would play in La Liga. Now, um, my personal thought as well is that obviously it is much bigger than wherever Barca is going to play football. You know, football, as much as we love it and it sort of affects everyone's lives, hopefully for the better, it's a sport, you know. Um, Catalan identity, Catalan sort of nationality, that's what you want sort of to believe and to push forward to is going to be far more important than 11 players kicking a ball around the pitch. So I really do think that uh, people will not base their votes on whatever Barca may end up playing. Plus, another point I make, I think that La Liga without Barca loses a lot of its appeal. Obviously, El Clasico is the biggest, you can also read into that, the most profitable game in world football. So not having the, a Barca-Madrid at least twice a year would be detrimental for La Liga as a whole. So even if the independence became a reality, which obviously is yet to be seen, is yet to be voted, uh, it's, it's, it's nonsense. You know, I really do think that La Liga need Barca and Barca in a way need La Liga. But if eventually we weren't, we weren't allowed to play in Spain, then, then so be it, you know. Um, I don't really see much weight on that. Moving on, uh, James in our Twitter asked, what is Valverde's style and what will he add to the Barca blueprint? Um, well, Valverde's style has varied over the years. Uh, when he was managing in Greece, he played, um, he was still attacking, but he played a different sort of system than the one that he's trying to implement at Barcelona. Um, I would say that because of his influence and because of his um, sort of priority for associated football and collaboration, uh, Barca seemed a much more cohesive unit this year. And uh, I really do think that what he's adding is the ambition, the know-how and the prioritizing of playing together to, you know, being 
individual stars that because of their quality sort of ultimately become victorious. I think that the fact that Valverde obviously worked alongside Cruyff um, in the late 1980s has something sort of in his blood, in his being, that the players are really benefiting from. Right, moving on um, to a question by John. John asks, are you more positive now after seeing the first few games of the season than you were before? He says, greeting from Wales. Um, John, thank you. That I really sort of, that made me giggled. Uh, my wife is actually from Wales. So um, I'm really pleased to have someone from the beautiful, green, fresh country of Wales, although it rains all the time, um, sending a question. So John, thank you very, very much. Now, um, am I more positive? Yes, I guess. But um, I was never sort of fully negative on what the team could do. You know, uh, the, the, the sense of, the transfer window, you know, we're chasing players from the Chinese league and, and all that nonsense. And, you know, the, the board is saying, yes, uh, Neymar is 200% never, never leaving. And then he leaves and you've got, yeah, um, Coutinho uh, is really close to signing and then he doesn't sign. Obviously, that is going to have an effect on how people feel. But I think, you know, the team is performing well. I've got to be fully honest, I didn't think that the amount of sort of cohesion and understanding and adaptation that the new signings have had and, you know, the, the team has had towards sort of um, Valverde's ideas was going to happen this quickly. Obviously, it's still early days. Uh, the, games, the game against Juve is going to give sort of, I would say, a true reflection and a true sort of assessment as to where we are right now. After winning 5-0, it is normal that people feel a little bit more optimistic, but I think that in terms of sporting direction, the team seems to know where they're going a little bit earlier than I anticipated, which is great. But in terms of um, club politics, that hasn't improved too much. I'm not sure whether you guys have had a chance of seeing the huge queues that were waiting up to sign for Benedito's uh, vote of no confidence. There were huge amounts before and after the games. Um, I do know that there are three points um, in Barcelona City that are open, not 24 hours, but you know during working hours on a weekly and daily basis, basis even. And I think that's Plaza Catalunya and Aribao. And I don't know if it's Cuncel de Sen, the last one, I'm not sure, but in central Barcelona. And people can just go in there at any given point and fill in the form to support Benedito's vote of no confidence. Um, Benedito himself tweeted, thank you to the 3,000 people that showed support for the motion. Uh, one of them was Joan Laporta, who also tweeted himself, saying that, you know, we need, we're in this together and we need to move things forward in order to regain control of our club. So, yeah, it was the 3,000 out of the 16,000 that Benedito is going to need to make anything sort of move forward in an official manner. It's not a lot, but um, I have to say, as Catalans like to do things in a very calm way, I don't think we do things as sort of relaxed as southern Spain, for example, where some of my family are from as well, completely different way of life. But um, I think that, you know, as the deadline date sort of comes, which again is up for debate, as we discussed in our previous podcast, um, there's going to be more and more signatures. And I, I still expect the 16,000 signatures to be in the bag right before the deadline. Our next question comes from Cameron on Twitter, and he says, what do you think the squad's reaction to Benedito's motion is? Rakitic said they're all united, but I don't believe him. Let's just take this in two points. The squad's reaction. I think the squad have an opinion. You know, it is quite clear 
that you know Messi's decision to not sign the new contract or Iniesta's decision to just say no when asked have you renewed your contract uh, and fair enough it was right outside an airport but I think the feeling and for what I'm sensing is that they're not fully behind the board um, this is a team that has lost Dani Alves and Neymar in a couple of seasons and they've obviously gone on to perform really well in the next teams in this case Paris Saint-Germain this season and Dani Alves had Juventus last season so I think that the squad know and the key players know that they have become weaker this summer and obviously I don't think the final winter victory over Espanyol can cloud our judgment on that the squad is still weaker than last summer so I think players know that and they probably think that with a different board they would have strengthened the team or at least trusted La Cantera, trusted La Masia in a better way so I don't think that that would have changed too much as to Rakitic's words he said that we're all behind the board I think that was a little bit out of order from him or a mistake on his part at the very least. I think that all he needs to do is say, you know, whatever the club does and whatever the sources decide, then we respect as players because at the end of the day, he gets paid by the club. He doesn't get paid by the board. So him showing support for the board when he knows there are so many people annoyed and, and the way that they're running the club, I don't think it was a clever move, but you know, each to their own, if that's what he wanted to say, everyone's free to express their own views in, in whichever way they see fit. Next question comes from Alex, he says, who do you think should ultimately replace Iniesta? Now that is a fantastic question, thank you Alex. I honestly thought that if Coutinho was to come, which obviously he did not, but that's not to say he won't come, say, next summer for example, I think Coutinho would have been a long-term replacement for Iniesta because of his quality, his background, his skill on the ball, the fact he's very talented and also the fact that he is confident in his own abilities. Having said that, I think the clearest player in Barca and beyond to do that, I think is Carlos Alagna. Alagna has a degree of vision and that freshness and, and that ability to combine with those around him that we haven't seen at Barca for many, many years. Um, obviously, Sergio Roberto is a great player as well, uh, but I think the most similar player we've got in our system right now is Alagna. And if you look further down in La Masia, we've got Xavi Simons as well. spoke about him in previous podcasts, which I strongly recommend our listeners that haven't heard them go back and, and have a little sort of nose around. So... Um, in the short term, Sergio Roberto, to, to answer Alex's question, I would say Alanya in the long term, and obviously Xavi Simons, we will have to see how he develops in coming years, but he is a candidate to replace Iniesta as well. But having said all of that, I think Iniesta is irreplaceable. Whoever comes in and does a similar job will do it in their own way, with their own sort of stamp, because the way that Iniesta does things is the same way that Xavi used to do things is unique to those players. We're never going to have another Puyol, for example. Uh, we're going to have players that hopefully will be as effective as him, um, hopefully in time. But, you know, these, these sort of key players are legendary. They're irreplaceable. And all we can do is that people and, and sort of upcoming players can come into the team and, and have the, a similar impact, doing things in a similar way, but they never be sort of one, one foot by one, so like for like, um, able to replace them. Now, this one's also from Twitter, is Jacob. So Jacob says, how big is La Masia's problem? What changed between the years that now we have a lack of players from there in the team? Um, right, we discussed this at length at the initial sort of part of the summer. I think if you go back to tvpod.link forward slash five or six even, 
um, there will be a much more sort of deep question and answer um, in that in that podcast there. But um, how big is La Masia's problem? I think in short, there isn't that much of a problem with La Masia, to be fully honest. I think the vast majority of coaches really do try to get the best out of the players under the Bartomeu sort of mandate. There's been more pressure for youth teams and youth coaches to win. And, you know, while winning is always important, I think in terms of formation, in terms of um, player development in La Masia, what really truly should matter is that players have the challenge, that players have targets for improvement, that players sort of know the way to improve at any given point not necessarily winning matches or winning tournaments because, you know, whilst you're growing up, there's teams like, for example, and, you know, they've traditionally done this and I know they still do it today, Espanyol always tends to sort of sign the taller, stronger players. So if you're playing, say, in the under-12s or the under-13s, Espanyol normally has a team that is much sort of built, much more mature, much taller and stronger and with more stamina than the Barca players have who... You know, a lot of the time, the La Masia teams look like little dwarves surrounded by giants, but it's what they can do with that skill, you know, and it's how they can develop their game and overcome the challenges that are posed to them in order to improve and ultimately develop into players that would be valid uh, once they reach, you know, maturity and progress to, say, um, Juvenil A, which is the under-19s, then Barca B, and hopefully can make the first team one day in the future but I think that La Masia obviously it has to be more about the player and the player development and, and skills and sort of looking for um, pol- polishing that raw talent rather than just getting them to win the tournament which at the end of the day mean nothing much at all. There are two questions here from Sid so thank you Sid for your questions also on Twitter he said make or break season for Denis Gomez and Rafinha who stands a chance? Well um, I think out of the three you've got, I think probably Dennis has the better chance at succeeding. Um, having said that, he was not picked for the game against Espanyol, which I thought was quite puzzling. Um, De Lufeo seems to be ahead of him in terms of the pecking order for the winger. Um, I have to say, in the first two games in La Liga, I, think, I thought Dennis was fairly good. And um, De Lufeo seems to have gone ahead of him in the pecking order, which is interesting, uh, to say the least. Rafinha, no idea, you know, he tends to be and seems to be injured pretty much all the time. Um, he's still not fully recovered this season and we really haven't seen anything from him yet. Um, so he needs to prove his worth once he's fully recovered. And Andre Gomez was fairly good when he came on on Saturday as well. He provided Dembele with the assist before the assist. So it was a sort of diagonal pass into space that uh, made the most of Dembele's speed so that then... Uh, a newcomer, a new talent could pass the ball across for Suarez to finish on a, on a one-touch basis. Um, I have high hopes that Gomez is going to be far better than he was in the previous season. Uh, we can't overlook the fact that the first seasons of the Camp Nou are always very difficult and um, obviously Gomez seemed to be the target of a lot of critics last year. And I'm not saying it's undeserved, but what I will say is that hopefully his second season he would have learned from his mistakes. He knows his teammates a little bit better. Uh, it seems that Valverde is going to prioritize a more sort of involved, controlling, possession-based midfield, which um, should benefit him in the long run. Moving forward to um, 
several questions from Christo, which uh, Christo is one of our patrons, and we are very, very grateful for having this. Um, he went to tvpod.link forward slash Patreon, that is tvpod.link forward slash Patreon to um, leave our questions. And um, yeah, we're really grateful for his support. Uh, without our patrons, our show would not be possible uh, in terms of hosting, in terms of uh, gear, in terms of you know different bits and pieces we need to invest. So thank you, Christo, for helping us out with that. So uh, let's go for the questions. He says, in case Messi gets injured, which kind of system will Valverde favor? Now, that's a fantastic question. Um, I first, let's hope that Messi never gets injured. Um, <laughs> I think that it would be great if um, no viruses went through nearly enough to his body so he can be healthy forever and ever and we can put him, freeze him, sort of Walt Disney style and uh, ensure that he never gets any older because at 30, it seems to be still sort of going strong but we don't want him to get any older. So I don't think that's going to be possible. So if Messi was not available for games, I think seeing what we saw against Espanyol over the weekend, I would have thought Suarez goes to the middle and rather than being a false nine, Suarez becomes a nine like he's proven to be fantastic at and then you get another winger. So Dembele obviously should be starting pretty much every game and then on the other wing you could have anybody. You can have um, obviously De Lufeo seems to be the preference now. I still have hopes that Paco Alcácer is eventually going to come out of his cocoon and finally do something special for us. But then you've got Denis Suarez who could do a job in there. Hopefully Rafinha comes back to form someday. Hopefully this year or this decade or hopefully this century even. And he can make an impact. So I would say without Messi, Suarez gets moved to the middle and then the wingers hopefully sort themselves out. We've got another question from Cristo. He says, do you think any of the fringe players like Gomez and Dinier will have a big impact this season? Or will Barca sell if they can? Um, I think, based on the sources that I've got, I know that Barca tried very hard to sell Gomez, but um, there wasn't any teams that were ready to offer the money that Barca was asking for. Um, reportedly, the asking price was 50, and I think it was Juventus in the end that offered 35 million for Gomez. So I think that if, if Gomez is still with us, it's because Barca couldn't sell him. Now, in terms of one of them having huge impact, I would say it's probably going to be Gomez himself. And Dinier, I see him as a backup to Jordi Alba, particularly the, given the form that Alba has displayed so far. So I see Gomez as being someone who can definitely um, have a great impact in the team moving forward. Right, we're nearly there. We've got two questions left. Um, this one comes from Ray. It's um, in response to one of the tweets that we sent. I said... Love how much more incisive the Lufeo is trying to be. End product somehow missing, but will come in time. And Ray replied, do you think he'll get the playing time he needs to develop once Dembele is up and running? Um, thank you, Ray, for your question. I, I think he would. I think I really think he would, and I think he will. Um, obviously, Barca have a lot of games throughout the season. It's all about rotation. It's all about empowering players um, in order to give them sort of the opportunity to shine. Um, Deulufeo, based on what we've seen already this season, is ahead of Alcácer already, seems to be ahead of Dennis as well, and obviously I'm not even mentioning Arda Turan um, in any conversation because he's you know always discarded because he should have just gone, but he's refused to do that based on the fact that he's got a contract, but you know that's a different story. I think Deulufeo will get playing time, 
Uh, whether he's going to start a lot of games, I'm not that sure. But um, he continues to develop and he sort of becomes a little bit more eager to run at defenders and sort of dribble one-on-one and, and cause advantages uh, as a result of that, which he has already started to do. I think he will be an important player. And the answer, in short, the answer to Ray's question is yes. Our final question today comes from Facebook and is from Karina. She asks, how do you plan on making Barcelona better than Real Madrid? Um, thank you for your question, Karina. This is something that we tend to get every week. I'm not a big fan of comparing us to Real Madrid all the time. Obviously, right now, Madrid are in a different position. They are an established team, a mature team that has had a world-class manager for a huge amount of time. I think it's around 16, 17 or 18 months now with Zinedine Zidane, who is one of the world's best players. Obviously, huge amount of charisma, understands the game fantastically well. There's been policy in Madrid in terms of signing young talent for a number of seasons that is finally uh, giving them the fruits that they that they expect and that the fans demand. Um, having said that, I think Barca need to play their game. You know, we've got I think we've got the beginning of something special going on right now. Um, Dembélé coming in, Semedo coming in. They've obviously added already, um, and I think that rather than focusing on making Barca better than Madrid. What we need to focus on, or what Valverde needs to focus on, and his players, is on making Barca better than Barca is today. You know, and then only time will tell if that's enough to beat Madrid once El Clasico or any eventual sort of clashes in the Champions League comes. But I think Barca need to focus on their own business. And then Madrid, obviously, they've already dropped points in La Liga, which is um, a positive. But we just have to wait and see where we are once we face them. But the priority needs to be on improving our own skills and our own abilities to win matches. Okay, I know I know, I said that that was the last question, but it's not. Um, I just gone through our Facebook page and I found another one. Um, it's a question, really short question from Esteban. He just asks, greatest Barca manager? Very good question, really brief question, but very sort of incisive, you know? Um, I think that the greatest Barca manager of all time has to be Pep Guardiola. And it is Pep Guardiola because he executed Johan Cruyff's model to perfection. He didn't just do what Cruyff sort of advised him to do. And to be honest, they were so close friends that I'm sure there was plenty of influence coming during um, Guardiola's time in charge. But I think that it was the fact that he made the best out of a fantastic La Masia generation. And he was at the right place at the right time. And obviously he worked incredibly hard to get the very best out of that fantastic generation of players. Obviously, and this is linked to Esteban's question as well, none of that would have happened if it wasn't for the fantastic influence that Johan Cruyff had on Guardiola himself uh, in the late 1980s, around, you know, till, until 1994, I think it was. Um, Johan Cruyff changed the club. There were many people involved, but I think he's the sort of face of that change that happened in the early 1990s. Eventually, and thankfully made Barca finally European champions in 1992 after that fantastic strike from Ronald Koeman in Wembley. So best Barca manager has to be Guardiola, but I don't think Guardiola would have even existed as a manager if it wasn't for El Maestro Johan Cruyff. Right, I think that that is all we've got time for today. Um, <laughs> I feel a bit sad because I don't have Dan telling me that. Um, Dan, I know you're going to listen to this when you get a second. Um, you've been missed, man. And um, I really do hope that you're enjoying your time 
and you can come back to the port hopefully um, by the end of this week and if not you know take a take a longer time but we really did miss you um, to you our listeners thank you for being there um, I am delighted that we got to read so many questions today um, because you know as I said at the start it's a little bit sad when we have to discard some of them so there you go uh, bonus extended listener question special which you hopefully have enjoyed um, if you really have enjoyed it and I hope that you have could you please 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 and again, please, please, please head over to tbpod.link forward slash iTunes review. That is tbpod.link forward slash iTunes review in order to leave a, a tiny short review. It doesn't have to be too many sentences. You know, hopefully we deserve the five stars and you can sort of hit that for us. That would be great. Um, but yeah, leave a little review. We read every single thing that you leave, wherever you leave it. Definitely, if it goes on iTunes, then whoever comes across our podcast, which seems to be more and more people um, every single week, which is great, can enjoy your comment so that hopefully we can continue to grow our community. So um, if you could do that, that would be great. As I said, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you for being there. You guys are amazing. And uh, until next time, talk to you soon. And Forza, or like Dan says, Forza Barca, and then I say Forza, I guess. Anyway. See ya!